Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hi, everybody. It's Lila Noor, the educator motivator. You can find me on social media at Miss Lila Noor. That's at M-S-L-A-I-L-A-N-U-R. I am currently an instructional coach at Manual Arts Senior High School in Los Angeles, and I'm also an implementation support specialist with CPM, and I'm your next motivational speaker at your next conference when we open back up. Or if you want to book me for a webinar, that's cool too. Every episode, we like to start off with what we are grateful for, just to give you something to think about on how we can uh, turn the tables in and, and flip these negatives into positives. And on this episode, I am grateful for self-discipline. This has been a very um, difficult past few months, and I have learned a lot about myself and what I am capable of. I used to think that I, I um, have impulse controls, which I still do a little bit. But overall, I have learned a lot about what I am capable of and is a lot more than I thought that I could do. And I'm very much grateful for that at this point. Yeah. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jay here, Jadrian Grimes, ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. I am the business operations manager at the North Metro Academy of Performing Arts in Norcross, Georgia. My Twitter, make sure you follow me. It's at my first name and last name, at Jadrian Grimes. That's J-A-D-R-I-E-N-G-R-I-M-E-S. And what I am grateful for today is simple to me, but it's so huge, and that's life and help as well as it is during these times. This is your boy, Dr. Christopher J. Childs, the academic rock star, your favorite teacher, favorite teacher, coming to you live and direct from the great state of Florida, specifically Central Florida. You can find me on all social media platforms at DRK Childs. I'm the president of K Child Solutions. I do all things mathematics education, anything mathematics education. I am the one you need to holler at. Well, this episode, I am grateful for educators seeing the light. A lot of things have happened in education of rural. If you've been sticking with us on this podcast, we've been on hiatus and we're back. This is season three and a lot of things have happened. Hey. And But over that time, educators have seen the light and your favorite podcast is back. And to this episode, we're focused on the biggest question right now in education. And this episode is airing in July 2020, just so you know, in context. The biggest thing happening in education is the question we're going to talk about today. Should schools reopen? That's the biggest debate in the United States at the moment. Are schools, should they reopen? Should they not reopen? Then we, we may get into masks. We may get into what if someone gets sick. We may get into all that. But first, let's, let's go simple. Should schools reopen? I have a quick answer. And you're probably not even going to believe my answer. But I'm going to let my co-host jump in. Should schools reopen? Absolutely not. That's my quick, simple answer. Absolutely not. <laughs> Jay? I 100% agree. No. Yes. Dr. Mm. Christopher J. Childs is going on record in July 2020 and saying schools should reopen. Mm. 
Now, you all are saying he's crazy. I'm, I hate what he's saying, etc. You've been crazy. That's, that's true. That, that's true. <laughs> I am saying schools should reopen. I never said physically, but they should reopen in that distance remote learning space. Here's my- now you fooled me. Now, no, okay, no, no. you didn't. Uh, now, wait a minute. You didn't say I, I had a whole different perspective. Okay, but you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to let you do that. And that, that's why I like this, this show. When I said should schools reopen, we and our listeners have always posited school as being brick and mortar in this building. We've had this virtual school for years now, but we're still thinking I got to be in a classroom as it relates to school. This is the perfect time for us to start rethinking what does it mean when it comes to what is school and their reopening. I think we all agree schools should not physically reopen because of safety. But all the data points I'm looking at, all the research, and regardless of whether we like 45 and Department of Ed, they're forcing schools to reopen in some format. What are your thoughts going from with school being forced to reopen as of July 2020? What are your thoughts around safety of being reopened and then the mechanisms of reopening? When I say safety, obviously I'm proponent of remote learning, but then the mechanisms being what are some things we just need to think about? And let's talk macro because there are a lot of things in, um, that we can really get into weeds, but let's talk macro with some of the impacts. I want to talk about the economy. And, and I know people are like, oh my gosh, what, what kind of view is that? I want, I'm going to talk about the economy from my viewpoint. I'm going to let Lila and Jadrian jump in with some of their thoughts when, with this reopening piece. It's going to happen. I'm telling you live in July 2020, schools will reopen. That's happening. Now we have to be strategic in what, what it looks like. But I want, I'm going to talk about it from the economy standpoint and why they have to reopen, but you all jump in. Got it. Um, of course, especially my role, uh, safety, safety, safety. Um, you know, there are a lot of models we see that are some hybrid, you mentioned digital learning, um, but there are some districts throughout the country that will have students uh, in an in-person, in-person learning format. What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? What's the process behind that? Um, I saw some are requiring mask, um, some are encouraging mask, um, and there's a difference there. Um, social distancing, what does that look like? What does lunchtime look like? What does recess look like? I am not a proponent of being in-person learning, holistically speaking. Now, there is a sense of me, um, because I do understand that there are a lot of students who uh, look like me um, that aren't privy to or have the same uh, opportunities that others may have in other districts as it relates to technology um, and all of that and what that looks like. Um, you know, what will the learning gaps be like on that side? Um, it's just so much, so many things to think about. Um, but if I could just park there, as far as the in-person learning piece, um, I'm not a proponent of that at all. It's, it, it's just too much from a sanitation standpoint, um, especially with K-5 elementary schools, you know, keep your mask on, put your mask back. Like, I mean, you know, how, how do you control that on a day-to-day -day basis? Lunchtime, recess, um, and coming into school, leaving school, uh, when you're disciplining someone, um, what does all of that look like? Yeah, you know, 
I definitely, um, I, I, I seen somebody post something about, you know, has anybody asked the custodial staff at, uh, within education how they feel about this? And that just made me think about that. But when Chris first asked this question, you know, I, I was thinking in my head, of course, the traditional in-person, we talk about reopening, we're talking about opening the doors, the physical doors. And um, I know Chris has been trying to flip education upside down for a minute and talk about how we need to rethink what this looks like. I definitely think that we do need to still be doing remote learning. I will tell you, though, personally, I'm terrified. I'll be absolutely honest. I left the classroom last year. <laughs> and in the midst of leaving the classroom, I'm going to be back in the classroom next year. And I'm, I'm jumping into this. And I'm very much, if you know me, an in-person kind of person. Um, you, you have to see me and be in front of me and, and feel my energy to really know what's happening, to understand my sarcasm and to understand what, what, what I'm trying to get across to you. And so it's very, it's very terrifying to me <laughs> personally, but I feel it also very necessary to continue on with education come, you know, uh, August, September. The issue that I'm seeing with physically opening is just from a health standpoint. I mean, we we cannot get our country on the same playing field when it comes to some of the basics right now. And you're talking about trying to almost like Jay said, round up. You know, I, I'm thinking from a high school perspective. Even with that, we're trying to round up kids and get them to space apart. And within my math classroom, I need my kids with each other, talking, leaning in sharing materials, having conversations. How am I supposed to do that in a socially distanced classroom? And then if we're talking remotely, I know that there are some restrictions and I know that there are some, some um, obstacles to get over, but we definitely, it, it's our best option. It's the option that makes the most sense and it's definitely doable. And if right now you've, you've completely stepped away from education and you haven't been doing any work, you're missing out. Because right now is where everybody's putting in the work. Everybody is putting in and getting ready and gearing towards what August and September is going to look like. And if you wait until August and September, you're going to be 74 steps behind. But we got to get there. But why does everyone keep struggling with this concept of teaching remotely? And how am I going to do these things in the classroom that I normally do? face-to-face. And the reason I posit that point, we're going to go deep on a different episode. We, every educator that I meet, new educators, old educators, they get into the space of kind of condition. But new educators are like, I want to do these innovative things. School should be this. I want to try this. Then they get conditioned in the system. You meet them five, 10 years down the road, they've conformed to what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. So what is happening to that thinking? Now that buildings are closed, we have technology in some instances. Why isn't that thinking coming to life into how do we redesign? Why are we really focused on, Chris Emden said it, I'm going to paraphrase it because Chris caught a lot of heat for this. Why are we taking a lot of bad indoor practices, brick and mortar practices, and forcing them online and still mad that they're not working? Mm. And to my audience, before you blow me up, Chris, that's a generalization. Look at the, I'll talk about the data. You show me where your student achievement data is rocking in through the roof across the board, I'd be quiet. It's not. So let's be honest. We have room to do better. But why do we keep saying we're struggling with putting it online as opposed to from the mindset, I finally get to change my game plan. And if I can make it work in, online when we come back to brick and mortar, I don't even need a classroom. Give me a, give me 
a spot on the grass outside and we finna kill it in math. So why, why do you think that is? I mean, I, I, we're definitely in a transition point and I feel like the teachers, the educators that were on ready, set, go mode already, like that's what their general feeling was within their classrooms or as coaches or as administrators, whatever it was, they were already on ready, set, go mode every single day. This is a transition period and you're going to get, you, you're going to get ready. I don't, I don't, I believe in your ability or capacity to get going for August, September and to make it happen in whatever format we have to make it happen. The struggle, like Chris is saying, is, and I think we talked about this, and, and it, was, it was on another episode we have, I think we talked about cell phones. We got a whole lot of backlash, right? The issue is, I see, if your classroom already wasn't up to par in the least bit before this, those are the people we see struggling with the concept right now to even wrap their minds around switching from a tab to a tab. And I know it's going to offend a lot of people and, you know, we can bring in other factors that may be contributing to some of our inability to get on board and and shift gears. And it is going to be a learning curve, but for those that are still stuck, like we're, we're like, you really feel like you're stepping in tar right now. It, the classroom practices that were there before were already antiquated. They were already outdated in so many ways. And now, like Chris said, you're trying to bring that into um, using Google Meets or using it on Zoom or using Big Blue Button or, you know, uh, using Notability or OneNote. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. That worksheet or that test that you still handwrite and make copies of from 15 years ago, it's not going to work. <laughs> You're going to have to hang it up. So stop thinking about it through the lens of what do I do brick and mortar? How do I do it online? Why not start fresh and say, what can I do online? From scratch. Then that translate that back into brick and mortar. It's a different mindset, but this is that time to try all the stuff that we've been fighting. I can do this. It'll be better. You, you, have, you literally do not have classroom walls. And you can try something new. Spot on. I mean, why not? If if it was any time we were gonna, you know, put that in place. I mean, it's it's right now. Cause let's be honest with with ourselves. Um, even the districts that are going back with in-person learning, and I know quite a few of them, um, per the experts, per science, is we will be in a digital platform anyway within a matter of 60 to 90 days after we open our doors. So I guess I'm, I try to wrap my mind around that and which will probably spill into the spring semester potentially, um, you know, starting in January. So, you know, why not make that, put that at the forefront? If we have data, if we have statistics of, of all the work that we've done inside of brick and mortar classrooms up until this point, um, let's try this model right now when our hand, I guess, it's, it's crazy that our hand needs to seem to be forced because this is something that we've talked about for, or that's been talked about for a while, but it had to take a pandemic to kind of come and, and force our hand to make us do it and think more intuitively about these things. But I mean, why not do it 100% across the board? Let's see what happens. And, and it's like almost, I feel like right now we have grace. I feel like as educators in the in the the pressures that we felt in the past and the pressures that um 
you know, we had to perform and to, to do all these other things and have your whiteboard configuration or have this or that. We have a lot of grace right now. So this is the opportunity, if any opportunity, to try something new, to do something different, to go to this webinar, this PD, and learn about how to use notability. And, and of course, we know that, you know, from a, a, a macro standpoint or, you know, thinking about kids in um, certain communities that do not have the same resources. I know, for instance, our school or our district rolled out laptops, iPads, everything to, you know, a bunch of kids, but we're still talking about, you know, I go into webinars myself and I'm trying to make sure my internet is <laughs> strong enough when it's just one of me in my household. But this is the time to try something. I believe in trying something every school year, no matter what, no matter what our circumstances, our environment looks like. But this is the time to just get on board and do something new. Try anything. Try something. If you care about kids, try something because it is inevitable. Schools are going to reopen. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it, whether you want to do something different, they're reopening. So we have to think about which battles are we willing to fight? Are we going to try to fight the big monster? which I'm telling educators and educators are getting upset. We do not have the power politically. We don't have the money power in the education, regardless of how many teachers we have to fight the bigger system at the moment. Thus, we work within the system and look at ways that we can transform it. Final thoughts, Lila and Jadrin on schools. Just now here's at the end of your final thoughts, you can go to, you know, rephrase your initial answer. Should schools reopen? But your final thoughts on should schools reopen? Schools should definitely reopen. Um, but schools should reopen in a digital platform. Um, I think, you know, life and health uh, should be the top priority above everything uh, right now, especially where we are as a country, as, as a world. Um, you know, we still have an opportunity to learn. We still have an opportunity to teach. We still have an opportunity to touch lives. We have to tweak some things. We have to tweak our engagement potentially uh, on a lot of areas, but absolutely schools should open, but 100% in the digital platform. There shouldn't be uh, our young people and our staff in the building at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement that we definitely need to open um, remotely, not physically, as we're one of, we're, we're a species that can adapt. We can adapt in a lot of different ways. And you've seen people over the past three, four months adapt in remarkable ways, like absolutely remarkable ways with their circumstances, right? Everybody has been impacted differently. And at this point, with education being as important as it is, you can't tell me that we don't have the capacity or the ability or, or the mindset or whatever it is to adapt. We can. We can and we will. If you want to, you will. That's, that's, that's the reality is if you want to. My favorite part of the episodes is this inspirational moment where we give you a little bit. Um, I'm going to pull a Jadrin. Jadrin always said, I'm going to be brief. I'm just going to take his verbiage for this piece. And I'm going to be brief and talk about three points. I'm going to do a, it's going to be called the 90 second inspirational moment. Don't time it because I, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be exactly 90, but it, it just sounds good. We need to collaborate. We need to innovate. We need to accelerate. As educators in times like this, how are we collaborating? A lot of people right now are recreating the will and doing the same thing across the board multiple times, whether it's within their school, within their district, or within the state. How are we collaborating to be more efficient in the work we're doing? Number two, as we stated on the episode, it's time to innovate. 
Stop considering what school used to be. This is a time to create that environment that is equitable for all students with high quality learning experiences and thinking outside the box, not just using technology, but consider how do you use technology unplugged? You're like, Chris, what does that mean when it's unplugged? Stop just saying because we have Zoom or we have these different software programs, we can do math online, we can do educational online. Unplug the computer and give them assignments that they can do unplugged outside the classroom walls. Lastly, it's time to accelerate. In education right now, we're behind. We're actually losing in a lot of ways. When I say it's time to accelerate, think about on the highway, there are two lanes. There's a left lane, the fast lane, there's a slow lane. Both will get you to your destination. One is faster than the other. Some of us in education need to get out that left lane, move to the right lane, and let the ones that are pushing for change accelerate down that pathway. To all my educators out there, I need you to collaborate, I need you to innovate, and I need you to accelerate. This has been the Inspiring Educators Podcast with the most awesome group of podcast hosts in the world, in the universe, and beyond the universe. We'll catch you all on the next episode. We owe you tea. Out of here. Welcome back. Welcome back.